Hello, everybody. Welcome back to your Hard in the Paint NBA podcast, the only NBA podcast where the hard questions are asked. I'm your host, Matt, and again, joined by Michael after a little bit of a breather there. This off-season. Off-season's almost over, though. We got, I think it's 11 days until the first game. But on this wonderful Friday, September 20th, We've got some uh, quick news updates, a little bit of a slow news cycle here, but at least we got 2K to hold us over in the meantime. So let's just start off with the best news that I think I predicted about a couple months ago. Uh, Joe Johnson signing a contract with the Detroit Pistons after winning the Big Three championship and being the MVP of that league. So now we're looking at uh, an actual small forward in Detroit for once. That is somewhat good. So now we've got a a great redeem team here almost with uh, Derrick Rose, Joe Johnson, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. Do you think this helps Detroit at all, Michael? Yeah, it's... I mean... It can't hurt them, right? I mean, they barely made the playoffs last year, and if we know anything about Joe Johnson, he can at least provide some three-point shooting. Yeah, three-point shooting. You know, he could be a uh, you know secondary kind of end-of-game shot maker. Yeah. At least he's got experience and stuff to the point that, um, you know, clutch situations where you need to make some free throws towards the end of the games or... Uh, like a locker room presence, right? So uh, kind of like what Vince Carter kind of does, right? Where Vince just kind of floats from like young team to young team. I mean, even if Joe Johnson's only playing like 12 minutes a game and he's just, uh, you know, given a good team chemistry type thing, you know, kind of like a James Jones type of role, a Channing Fry type of role. I mean, that's pretty solid. It's just weird that it's, Joe Johnson has value in the NBA, but Melo doesn't. Yeah, this is. I think this is the weirdest part of this. Is uh, you know, the news came out. Oh, Joe Johnson signed with Detroit, and everyone's like, "What about Carmelo? Carmelo's better than Joe, right?" It's like, yeah, but <laughs> maybe not. Well, I wonder if it's actually the fact that Melo is, uh, you know, in terms of a totality of a career, is significantly better than Joe Johnson, and that's actually what's holding him back uh, in 2019. You know, maybe it's... With Joe Johnson, he never quite hit the, uh, I guess, tier one type of superstar, right? He's like a all-star, but not like a superstar. Whereas Melo was actually like a superstar, so it's like, if you bench Melo or you give him limited minutes or, uh, you know, kind of a smaller uh, role on the team comparatively it's worse maybe i don't know yeah no there's a lot of more drama there i mean you know obviously we've got defensive worries with both of these players joe's always been a little bit better at the three ball than mellow uh, i think he might be a year younger as well but just interesting a guy whose contract was worth more than lebron james is now signing the vet minimum after winning in the big three i uh, kind of happy for him though i'm interested to watch some detroit games though yeah, I mean, if you think about the fact that there's like 400 plus dudes in the NBA, and we only really care about probably uh, 70, 80 at the most, 
It's like, yeah, throw him in as opposed to like some random, some random dude, right? I mean, you look at this team now, and it's just the ultimate like, let's rewrite our storylines team. I mean, you've got Derrick Rose, who might have figured out how to play in the NBA again from last year. You know, you've got Blake Griffin coming off of the end lower body injury and the whole like uh, ugly Clippers breakup, and then you've got Joe who got kind of uh, thrown by the wayside after that Celtics Nets deal, and is trying to make a comeback to her. I mean, there's a lot of good storylines for this Detroit team now. Yeah, but they still have the Josh Smith contract. I didn't even realize they had that. <laughs> Wait, he plays in the big three. They should just pick him up too while they're at it. <laughs> the dude could still play. When I saw him, Josh Smith looks pretty good. You might, know, as well complete, you might as well complete the Detroit thing and just bring in Jalen Rose, right? Isn't Jalen Rose from Detroit? Yeah, bring him in. <laughs> so that was that was a bit of the happy news. Uh, in, in more competitive basketball news, <laughs> uh so the obviously the FIBA, you know, kind of World Cup of basketball had happened since the last time we talked. Uh, yeah. Some pretty interesting games, you know. Uh, you got countries from all over the place: Argentina, Spain, you know, France. All these, all these great countries, and you don't really realize until you look at the teams. It's like, man, there's a lot of international, like, well-known NBA players not like there's a whole bunch of nobodies on these other teams anymore i mean you've got guys like gobert i mean two-time defensive player of the year playing for france i mean you got uh ricky rubio yeah rubio and gasol i mean nba champ and now fiba champ mark gasol i mean yeah and then you got like a place like greece that pretty much only had Giannis and somehow managed to fuck it all up (laughs) i mean so it's it's entertaining it kind of reminds me of like a college all-stars game um, in sort of a weird way. Yeah, international basketball has uh, become very similar to uh, soccer in that if you look at the last uh, World Cup, uh, you had a bunch of like smaller... The gap between kind of the big countries and the smaller countries is like kind of shrunk. Like Croatia made the fucking World Cup final. Uh, and it's like this time around, it's like the gap between the US and basically everybody else uh, you know, clearly shrunk. I mean, to the point that the U.S., uh, you know, came in with seventh, right? I mean, they didn't even fucking, like, win their, like, uh, consolation match at the end. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty rough. I mean, I think we can attribute a lot of this to uh, team construction. Just, yeah, I mean, who would have expected every player they asked to back out? And yeah. I mean... <laughs> even players that you wouldn't have expected to back out, backed out, like like Darren Fox or uh, a couple other guys. And then yeah, they're... Yeah, Devin Booker. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a dude who I thought would just be like, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah, like let me just play like, uh, you know, a month of basketball, and I just get to like shoot as much as I want. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think probably the best surprise of this is, okay, we figured out we can't play a FIBA game without a center, and Donovan Mitchell was the best player on that roster, and therefore. You know, after this seventh place loss, pretty much, uh, you know, all the other big wigs like Steph and Dame and everybody have come out and said they're going to be on the 2020 team. So that's kind of nice to hear. So do you think it's, 
Do you think like let's say the US had won uh won the World Cup, won the FIFA World Cup, do you think the same dudes like Steph and uh all the other guys would have been like, Yeah, I'll be there in twenty twenty as well for the Olympics? I feel like the US cares more about the Olympics than they do like the World Cup, but I think it's a little bit of that, I agree. Um I mean we at least televised the Olympics even with like you know, at awkward hours of the night and like you know, you gotta remember like twenty sixteen was uh you know, the last Obama Olympics, you know, <laughs> so that's a pretty big deal. And, you know, that was, uh, not as many, there's been a lot of new up and coming stars that this would be their first time at the Olympics. So. Oh, you think it's going to be like more of a changing of the guard? Yeah. I mean, let's think about, um, even 2012. I mean, you had Anthony Davis somehow make that roster as a rookie. I mean, there's a, you know, maybe Zion makes the team for the Olympics next year instead of LeBron or Carmelo or or whoever. Because, um, I mean, there's plenty of guys that just aren't going to play. And, I mean, you look at it now, I mean, Jason Tatum got his sprained ankle from playing this. It's going to keep him out from training camp and all these other things. And it's a lot of travel. I mean, is it really... At the same time, you have to ask, are other countries bringing their best to FIBA versus, you know, the Olympics? So we will see. Who do you think uh, is the most intriguing challenger for the U.S. for the gold medal? You think I, it's Spain? I think, think it's Spain. Back to back. I mean, it's not a back-to-back Olympic. I mean, no, but I mean, like in terms of FIBA and then a uh, like a World Cup. I know. I like Argentina a lot too. I feel like they're one of the few teams that plays like really fast. So that's a good point. I think France is also like sneaky in the mix. Oh yeah, and and like Frank Nilakina, you know, he actually scored points and played good minutes. Like somebody yeah, I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> so uh, unfortunate for uh, the U.S. Uh, however, next year will be much more entertaining, and uh, Mark Gasol gets the elusive NBA champ, FIBA champ, back to back. That's pretty. Could exciting. be an Olympic gold medalist too, dude. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, speaking of champs, uh, Sean Livingston, a former Golden State champion, has decided to retire this offseason after probably the one of the best comeback stories in NBA history, maybe the best, when you look at how it started off pretty promising and then just snapped, and now he came back and won a couple titles being that pivotal bench role. Um, overall... Can't really complain. Uh, it makes the Warriors just a tad bit weaker, though. I mean, true, but at the same time, it's not... I mean, especially this past year, this was definitely... You could kind of see the writing on the wall with Sean Livingston. Um, I wonder, do you think he'll move into, like, coaching? Because he doesn't seem like a broadcast type of guy, so I wonder if he'll move into, like, uh, the coaching circles. Maybe start his way up in the D-League and, and work his way up. Well, you got the Steve Kerr kind of tree now, right? I mean, now everybody probably wants to cash in on Steve Kerr's, you know, uh, Zen teaching. Yeah, the Popovich level wisdom. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. Maybe, maybe he does that. Maybe he does, uh, maybe he does like WNBA coaching, you know? You think he'll go to the big three? Ooh. I could see it. Give him a year off and then go back to the big three. Yeah, sure. Why not? 
All those guys are like within his draft class still, so it makes sense. Uh, what about future big three Hall of Famer Markel Fultz? So, Markel Fultz's contract got re-upped by Orlando <laughs> out of the blue. Um, so something's going on there that nobody fucking knows about. Either that or Orlando's just full of idiots. Uh, is this the year? Mad. Is this the year that we've signed see more than two games of Fultz? I mean, the dude has almost finished its rookie contract, and I genuinely could not tell you how he even plays basketball. I mean, that's that's mind blowing. Like, this is like Anthony Bennett level of just off the map. What the hell is this guy even up to? But <laughs> I mean, just imagine if he's actually like not even good, but just like halfway decent. I mean, like a a bench starting guard. All right, so their 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 guards right now are DJ Augustine and who else is in Orlando? Terrence Ross, but he's not really a point guard. Yeah, he's like a two. I mean, there's somebody else I'm forgetting, but anyway, it's like it's not like he has steep competition, right? True, and it's not like they have. Uh, I mean, they're like eight seed playoff expectations, right? I mean, they aren't. Yeah, fringe. Yeah, I mean. Uh, if they made it to the second round of the playoffs, I mean that would be, that would totally justify the investment into Markel Folds. Do you think it's if they give him money, it'll like, uh, shore up his confidence? I don't know. Maybe we were just way overconfident in him to begin with. I mean, being the first pick is kind of a pretty big confidence boost. I mean, compared to you know, a couple million dollars. I mean, so what? What are the expectations for Marco Fultz for this year? Like, what, what? What do you expect out of seeing him? Plus, minus forty games. So, I think the the best thing you could ask for is, uh, he plays. 15 minutes a game averages like eight, two and two. What? Just 15 minutes a game. Yeah. Like the expectations in my opinion are super low. Oh, I was thinking around like 34. Oh yeah. I was like, I want this man to play 34 minutes a game and just be like, just have it going, have this team go through him. See, my only problem with, with that and how their team is constructed is, you know, they got Vooch, they got Aaron Gordon, and these are some back-to-the-basket sort of, uh, you, you know, inside-out play style. And the the few memories I have of Markel Fultz suggest that he is a more of a slashing guard, you know, someone that, that gets to the rim more often, not really a three-point threat like DJ Augustine is. Uh, now, that's not saying a whole lot, but... Play style wise, it doesn't quite fit, but I think that's part of the reason why they took the gamble is because he wouldn't have any pressure on him and they needed an extra guard. If it pans out well, it does. If it doesn't, oh well, it's only 12 million. I mean, it's not that Do you much. think uh, most improved player or six man is on the table? Most improved, yeah. Six man, I don't know if he'll play enough games to be six man. What about uh, 
guy also from, I believe, the same draft class, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, look at this guy coming back from the NBA debut. Back injuries. He's looked great in uh, training camp from what I've heard so far. Uh, You know, this was a guy that was touted to be sort of a a little more offensive-minded Ben Simmons, a little less pass-first Ben Simmons. And, uh, you know, had some pretty brutal injuries, so did his brothers. Personally, I want to see him come back. I want to see this guy play, like, real basketball. I mean, we saw, like, two games at Mizzou, and that was it. So... I don't know how I can't remember how big uh, Michael Porter Jr. is. Can he play power forward or is he too small? I know he can play small forward. I don't know if he's is he big enough to play power forward. I don't think he's heavy enough. I think he's heavy. Yeah, he's like six nine, but he's like still like pretty thin. So I was gonna say, could you imagine Jokic at center and then him at power forward, and then obviously you got they're you know loaded up on a. Uh, Guards Wings, in the back. Yeah. I, I'm I'm excited. Like it will be one of those things where you tune in and see him once, and then probably not watch Denver the rest of the year, unless they're playing like Golden State or somebody. But uh, so, do you think they go with Jeremy Grant being power forward, and then Michael Porter as a uh, small forward, or do you think Jeremy Grant is also too small? I think you can play Jeremy just because he's a little bit. I think he's taller, and he can He at least like kind of played that stretch four in OKC a little bit. Yeah. Whereas I think like Porter Jr.'s heart is a small forward, kind of like LeBron. It's like his heart's always a small forward. That's kind of an interesting, a weird spot to be in for that team. Yeah, I mean we'll get to this in a bit, but I've got I've got a bit of a question about Denver, and then uh. Derek Rose. I mean, Derek Rose, I think, with the Sean Livingston story and this kind of coming to end, if D. Rose uh, is probably the next guy up in terms of major injury, it'd be sick if he makes like a awesome comeback NBA champion type thing, right? It's got to be him or uh, Markel Fultz or Anthony Bennett. I mean, it's got to be one of those three. Or Boogie. Yeah, Boogie. I mean, heck, you could almost put him beat in there. Should the Wizards have taken Derrick Rose instead? I'm going to say no. Just just for the one year. You know, just until John Walls is quote-unquote healthy. So, I think the Wizards, like, young crew that they have is sneaky, like, not that bad. <laughs> like, I'm almost convinced you don't want to give up too many of those guys. Like, I don't think they've sh- they've shot themselves in as bad as like Phoenix or Sacramento used to with like draft picks. Like, I think they've made some smarter decisions than the worst, but I mean, they're still not great. I don't know because Washington has significantly better talent than Phoenix. When do you think of like John Wall and Bradley Beal and when they had Otto Porter Jr. and Kelly Oubre, they had a lot more talent that they squandered. But think of like uh, Thomas Bryant or like some of those other guys they got coming off the bench that are second year guys maybe. I, I think those guys have pretty good potential. Like I'm not, maybe I'm just like biased towards Phoenix where they just draft shitty. It's like let me let me draft Devin Booker and then be shit and even more shit the next year. 
<laughs> so I think it's just going to be like the Bradley Beal solo season, and he's going to try and make an all-star game on his own. And uh, if the West wasn't so loaded, maybe have an MVP run? So who's got more years left in the NBA, Derrick Rose or Markel Fultz? Derrick Rose. If I had to say right now, <laughs> if I'm not seeing Markel Fultz this season, I'd say Derrick Rose. Oh, man, that is, that's insane. Um, I wrote down some things that were basically like, not necessarily the best things I'm looking at, or the best things that might happen this season, but just things that interested me. So, uh, you know, one was like Denver, right? Denver sort of changed up how their roster sort of goes without really giving up anybody, which is kind of interesting because a lot of other teams that made trades or free agent signings, like they ended up giving up uh, a pretty crucial piece, right? You know, there was uh, like, you know, the Nets, basically D'Angelo Russell, but then they get Kyrie and KD, you know, uh, the Pelicans basically and all that shit, OKC, Houston, like all the teams that we sort of thinking of. And since Denver came pretty close to the Western Conference Finals, where do you think they stand? Are they going to be better than last year? I think they... I think the one of the best things they have going for them is the fact that they didn't switch up too much, which is kind of weird to say. I mean, when you look on paper and you're like, in a perfect world, it's like, well, LeBron AD has to be better than Jokic plus whoever, right? Or like, right, but then it's like, you look at like the four to nine guys on the team and it's like, oh, right. Yeah, you look at that and you look at it to like, Oh, these guys know how to like play playoff basketball with each other and win series, and and like could start a se- like could start the season off like twenty and two or something, just off of like people not paying attention. Like, I I would have them up pretty high. I mean, they were number two C last year, right? I mean, yeah, and they they were incredible at home. I I just wonder, do you think people have figured out Jokic? Because that was a big thing for the first two-thirds of the season. Basically, until the All-Star break, it was like, oh, shit. Like, Jokic just keeps finding all these weird, like, passing lanes. And I don't know if after a summer, if teams start to figure out their game plan a little bit. I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a little bit of, uh, you know... But then who knows? Jokic might go up a level, right? I mean... He could. I was going to say the supporting cast could go up a level pretty substantially i mean if there's someone that could just dribble breakdown on their own without a Jokic screen like that would be incredible for that team um somebody like uh you know if they got michael porter jr to have a real small forward on that roster instead of like two shooting guards that would be very helpful i I think reasonably they could be number two seed again this year i just have a hard time, you know, end of games, which was their problem in the playoffs. Like, what do you do besides fuck you threes by Jamal Murray or like lapses in concentration on defense? So you think they need like a closer? Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. What if they, I mean, not that this guy's a closer, but what if they ended up getting Andre Iguodala to slide in a small forward spot? 
I think it would help a lot. Especially with their Western competition. You think there's a lot of loaded small forwards over there now? And wings he could play on, but, uh... You know, he's also a guy you can kind of just leave open from three. Uh, another thing I had on this list of most interesting uh, storylines going into the season. Uh, Brooklyn. So the one year that we get to see Kyrie without Kevin Durant. Very interesting, right? Well, that's so basically the new Kyrie order? can just do whatever he wants. Well, Kyrie can kind of just do whatever he wants for a year. Like it's a like, Cleveland um, year. I was going to say, it's like that year that Westbrook won the MVP uh, immediately after Kevin Durant left. And basically, they just gave Russell Westbrook free reign. And yeah. cashed in. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, Steph will also basically have the same uh, opportunity with Clay being out, Kevin Durant leaving, uh, Livingston, Iguodala. Like, basically, that team is basically uh, in, a, in a much different situation. So I'm kind of wondering, like, What's the expectations for Brooklyn with just Kyrie? I mean, I think there's a lot of... And they got a new owner. I would say that he could he could play this a couple different ways, and I think the coolest one would be if we see, like, averages 30 points per game Kyrie, kind of like a hardened solo record. Mm. Just try and, like, do it all, but I'm not convinced he has the attitude or the health to do that i mean how many years has he been out with the injury or chronic knee problems yeah yeah knee shoulder eye foot whatever and then i mean his celtics attitude wasn't great last year i think it'd be cool though i mean just like a like a solo harden or like an ai almost year where he just kind of wills that team to the playoffs with karis lavert as their second best player what team in the East do you think is the most afraid of Brooklyn? Is it Boston? Yeah, it might be, honestly. You know, if it ends up being like a 3-6 matchup or like a 4-5, Boston's like, fuck, we got to deal with Kyrie. I mean, I don't know how Philly defends against Kyrie. I guess always been their problem, right? It's point guard defense. Josh Richardson, right? <sighs> I guess we haven't seen that yet, though. Like, or even Ben Simmons. Hell, fucking put Ben Simmons out there, dude. It's a fucking ace defender. There's so much vari- variability going on. Maybe, like, the Pacers are sneaky worried about it. I don't know. Uh, who do you think is going to have a better jump shot, Ben Simmons or Markel Fultz next year? Oh, it's going to be Markel Fultz. <laughs> More threes made. Markel <laughs> Fultz or Ben Simmons? <laughs> Th- more threes made probably faults better percentage ben simmons okay okay so one of the uh small tidbits of news that we kind of missed over the past two weeks of doing this was uh the ninja headband band oh yes the jimmy butler role yeah the jimmy butler mike scott uh muscala and uh, LeBron and a couple other guys with the Darren Fox too with the ninja headbands. So apparently that got banned for safety reasons because there was no control over a length or style, uh, which is a very weird way to talk about a penis. However, 
I personally think they'll overrule this ban at some point, and the only reason they haven't is because they aren't branded. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a money thing. I think it's a Nike has put the pressure on to be like, well, you know, if they're wearing our gear, then we're okay with it. But it's the fact that it's uh, it's not controlled. I think is yep is a big thing. I think it's I think it's about the money. Yeah, they they want it to either have you know an Nike swoosh on it or an NBA logo on it before they start selling those out at team stores and everything. So, uh, pretty obvious scumbag move. It's almost like if they had uh, back in the day, if Kirk Heinrich, if they just were like, yeah, dude, you can't wear your sleeve, you can't wear like uh, all your other shit until you get it all like you know uh, processed through the the branding arm of the NBA. Oh man, yeah, he'd just be a walking billboard afterwards. <laughs> oh man. Uh, one of the other things that's sort of on the radar, but probably going to be off the radar since this team sort of sucks, is the uh, Carl Anthony Town saga in Minnesota. And something we haven't talked about in a long time. Yeah, what do you think is going to happen in Minnesota? Because you got Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, possibly D'Angelo Russell. Um, sort of in a weird spot because they suck, but they should be significantly... They're basically the Washington of the West. Yeah, and instead of a major or injury, the they just have the worst contract in the NBA. Gorgie Dang? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> so they lost a bunch of players. They have Andrew Wiggins, though, who's still a pretty big trade asset for some team out there. And we know Towns is a good player. Like, everyone's certain that he's, like, Anthony Davis level good. Yeah, he's, like, a top 18 guy in the NBA. Like, he's basically on the cusp of making all NBA. Like, the only reason he's not good is because he's on a bad team. Yeah, which may be his fault. I just, I, I, I just I can't figure it out. Because when I watch him play, I don't see anything bad about the way he's playing that is detrimental to the rest of his team but for some reason uh you know the team just has no momentum in any sort of direction like you know hell even anthony davis had that one year in 2014 2015 where he basically carried the pelicans team at least in the playoffs and yeah i mean cat's best thing was the jimmy butler year where they uh he tried to post up on like chris paul and couldn't do it or something so <laughs> I mean that's pretty pretty low expectations to to break through for a uh, you know I'd, like you said top eighteen top five center in the league. I mean you'd think all like every team would want that and obviously he's untouchable. I mean, yeah, and he's a fantasy you know dreamboat right because he's I mean he fucking gets you like a twenty two and like nine every night with like probably two blocks. Yeah. Steal. I mean. He, so I, I honestly I have no clue what needs to happen there. I mean, it's like they've tried going all in. They tried not going all in. They tried drafting and like no, they don't stick to one objective, and then it just doesn't pan out any way they do it. So, uh, very frustrating to be a Minnesota fan. Any other uh, NBA news or uh, whisperings that? Have interested have piqued your interest for uh, this upcoming season. So one of the big ones I saw was uh, you know everyone's doing these Instagram workouts now, and uh, D'Angelo Russell has switched from Nike to Puma. 
Interesting. Oh, shit. So he is now the, I believe, the highest profile Puma athlete. So take that for what you will. That's interesting. So Golden State is basically... Steph is under armor, and then Clay is that like Chinese? Is it Anta? Yeah, Anta. Clay's Anta. And then basically D'Angelo's Puma. So it's like, it's weird that like there's no traditional uh, Nike or Adidas or Jordan. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people but thought, that's... you know, Zion would be Puma, but he ended up being Jordan. So that was a big deal. Um, So that's been one that's been on my eye of like, hmm, you know, we got these Curry shoe lines. It's like, Who's going to claim the Puma shoe line athlete? Got to be D'Lo, which is not fantastic. But I mean, it would fit if he ends up going to Minnesota, though. But then it's like you got Cat and you got Puma. That's a way of working that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can make that work somehow. I think Cat's like Nike, Prince, though. Purple Prince Pumas. There's, there's so uh, uh, other thing uh, D-Rose related was... Uh, his book came out like uh, last week. Oh yeah! Haven't obviously haven't had a chance to read it. It's a little, it's not great from what I've heard. It's pretty rough, as you'd well, expect from a guy that couldn't pass his SATs. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna fucking say like <laughs> dude reads at like what like a sixth grade reading level. <laughs> but I think the most interesting part is there's a chapter or two on his New York saga, which is an interesting spout of time for him in the NBA. Uh, talking <sighs> about. So Phil Jackson and Mello and Porzingis and all of them. Uh, apparently, uh, uh, nobody wanted to play the triangle. No, no surprise there. And Phil wanted to coach the team, even though he wasn't the actual coach and all this jazz. So, uh, yeah, that's that's been... I want to go through and read it at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it. Um. And the other, only other big news is uh, Adidas is coming out with their shoes for this season. Uh, the new Jordan 34s came out pretty sweet from what I've heard. Harden uh, number 4s are coming out soon. So is the D-Rose 10. You know, who still knew he was making shoes? That lifetime Adidas contract paying off. You know, there was like a Nike sale uh, happening at some of the uh, factory outlets around here. And... Uh, I was looking at some KD6s. My God, those are ugly, dude. Yeah, I... So, I've always thought KD shoes were, like, pretty ugly and, like, pretty bad. Like... Yeah, but the sixes are, like... They have this huge-ass, like, Velcro strap. Yeah. They look like a fucking toddler. And they're heavy, too. Yeah! And, like, they're weirdly, uh, like, hard. You know what I mean? Like, there's no real, like, budge in them. Like, they're not... They're stiff. Like, yeah. Yeah. But like very, very stiff. Doesn't make a lot of sense for KD to have those three qualities in one yeah. shoe. <laughs> That's what I like. I went through and looked at like the LeBron line of shoes the other day. And it's like, you know, the, the 04 and 05 LeBrons. It's like, oh yeah, it looks like classic 2000s Nike. And you start oh, getting yeah. to like the Miami years where they're these bulky, like, Fucking tank shoes. They're basically bricks. Yeah, dude. Yeah, but they're like air all the way through. And now you get to LeBron shoes and they're like these knit, like crazy, like almost minimalist. It, it's wild. It's just how far we've come. Uh, anyways, uh, 
another kind of important thing that is ongoing is the Pay to Play Act uh, taking part in California at the moment. Uh, I am not too familiar with this, so I will let you take it away. Yeah, so basically uh, a few California senators, uh, state senators, I think, not, you know, um, are basically introducing a bill. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when, um, that basically establishes the idea that college athletics um, or college athletes can be paid for uh, their, what do they call it? Like their, not like namesake, but like basically their, uh, their likeness. Yeah. Their likeness. Um, so basically like they can get a cut of their, of the, of the check basically on, on their likeness, um, which, you know, basically destroys the whole idea between behind the NCAA of like college amateurs, because the whole, uh, you know, the red line has always been about money, right? It's always been about um, no money versus like, you know, even even something on the money, right? The money's always been like the differentiator. So now it's like, you know, this bill would basically introduce the idea that college athletes can get paid, um, which basically throws out the whole dynamic of the NCAA's uh, rules regarding uh, amateur status. And then, um, you know, if this ends up passing California, it could end up passing in a few other states. Or, you know, does the NCAA basically try to, um, you know, screw over California for doing this? Who knows? I mean, uh, a lot of very weird issues. It's not like anybody wants to be on the side of the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, it's very popular right now to be anti-NCAA for not only this, but a couple other reasons. I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the biggest deal obviously comes down to when you talk about recruiting, I mean, when you say, Hey, you play over at, you know, UCLA, we can pay you like hundred K a year to play basketball for us on top of your scholarship and all that other shit. It's like, who the hell wouldn't do that? Because you look at guys from this year that have declared to go play in Australia or China or wherever, because they need cash now. And there's no J.G. Wentworth of the NCAA. So makes total sense by me. However, the NCAA pushback is now you've made an unfair playing field in terms of recruiting and acquiring talent. I mean, this is like tampering almost to an extent. Probably even worse because you're saying you can actually pay more. Um, so now they have been rumors that they might try and ban those schools from the NCAA. Or they might try and uh, de -el de eligibility ties them or <laughs> all sorts of things, depending on how many other states agree or disagree with the California ruling. Um, so that is yeah, I mean, interesting. That's true, right? Yeah. Like if California passes it first and then, you know, maybe Washington State and then, you know, it just starts rolling. I mean, you know, what do you do if it's. Like it's it's very easy to ban, uh, you know, California schools. Um, but what do you do when it's like, you got sixteen states which are now participating in this? Um, you know, where it's like you got like a blue blood, uh, school participating in this. Then it's like, uh, I mean, 
then they have to kind of figure out something. Um, what do you think? Where do you think the NBA sort of stands on this? Was, uh, you know, the NBA is basically making uh, waves with their, you know, high schoolers can go directly into the NBA, and this sort of, you know, all kind of thrown together in the same conversation, right? So, I think the 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 NBA likes this because the best way to get the best players is to have people from other countries come play college here and have your best amateur talent, which would now be like semi-pro talent, all playing against each other, right? I mean, just us as scouts, we appreciate, you know, the Kentuckys and the Dukes and everybody when you've got five number one picks basically all playing against each other. It's how you seem to figure out who's the best of the best and get your best draft selections and all that. I mean, when I mean, think like Luca. I mean, if he had played over here, we probably would have rated him much higher on the draft boards than what we did. Uh, so that's important for attra- attracting talent and keeping this heavy level of competition. But then the problem comes in is, you know, the the already very successful schools can probably afford to pay their players already more money. So now you have like a rich get richer effect going on with like the yeah. Dukes. Do you do you implement a salary cap, you know, on on schools and then yeah, or or maybe schools that have like you know a school like Nebraska or like a school like Reno State or like Weber State that just don't win anything. Like, do they get free money? Like, do they you know how, like how do we make this even? Especially if it like you said turns out sixteen versus the other uh, 33 states. And if those 16 states are like California, North Carolina, like all the big college schools, or are they like the middle of the road schools? Or, I mean, there's a lot going on here, not to mention like whatever lobbying would go on in the political sphere behind this. Like, you know, does Georgia not want North Carolina to do it because of something else or, or vice versa? I mean, there could be a pretty hefty timeline on this and for like nationwide implementation so i guess bigger picture how does the ncaa stay relevant because if they start losing you know if they end up losing this battle and they end up having to pay i mean at that point the g league and the nba probably become way more popular because these guys are just going to jump directly into the nba or the g league or whatever um so how does the NCAA stay, I guess, relevant going forward? It's really only off a of namesake at this point, right? I mean, there's still like accolades to being the best college player at, you know, UNC or uh, Virginia or wherever. I mean, there's there's still a lot of player development that goes on there. I mean, people still think, you know, there's still a handful of athletes, student athletes that want to get a degree before they go into professional basketball. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's a very different experience than going from 16 to the G league to the NBA or maybe not even the NBA and being stuck in the G league forever because I mean, the G league isn't that popular. Let's be honest. I mean, it, it would be a couple years before that happens. Yeah, but if the G League starts getting, you know, these dudes who are like 
you know, lottery picks, then people probably start paying more attention, which ends up cycling in more money because now there's, uh, you know, a point, you know, basically a point to watching the G League, right? I mean, there might be like a TV deal or something if like, you know, the number one pick is playing in the G League. Um, then that brings in more money, which then obviously makes the game more, like, more polished, which then brings in more money. Like, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, the NCAA, basically their whole thing has been the fact that these guys are not paid. It's kind of been like their brand for the last few years, right? It's the idea that the basketball that they play is of a more pure uh, form just because there's no money in the system. But, I mean, that doesn't keep guys like, like you and I, we basically don't watch college basketball. That's true. However, I'm definitely not going to watch G League anytime soon. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a question of NCAA versus G League. I think it's NCAA versus the like the NBA. You know, I mean, how how does the NBA popularity is like blowing up? But it's not it hasn't really, uh, you know, reverberated into the NCAA. I think honestly, what it's going to take to do what you're saying is. Like like you mentioned earlier, a couple of these top twenty picks or whatever are just saying, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go do this other alternative route." And if enough of them do that over time, it'll just gradually be more popular and more of what you say it's gonna be. That's that's honestly the biggest thing is you've got to be the you know start pulling the tide the other way, and the only way you do that is with talent. I mean, you have to attract talent somehow. How how much would people hate Duke more if Duke ended up offering shit tons of money for these guys? Oh god, it'd be terrible. <laughs> like like oh my gosh, it'd be so bad. I mean, think like Duke or like UCLA or like uh Kentucky or like Notre Dame, like one of these big private schools too. They just rake it in off the bonus tuition dollars. I mean, how much cost does that increase? Like the average tuition of college too. Not that it's already not astronomical, but doesn't that make it worse? Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, especially when you start thinking about, you know, all the other um, college athletes, right? Like if you're, if you're, a, if you know, I don't know, a soccer player or like a volleyball player or whatever. Yeah, baseball maybe. Yeah, like, you know, maybe you, you or you go to like a school that is like, specialize in a different sport that maybe doesn't have like a football or traditional basketball team like um you know what i mean like some of those sort of smaller schools that like specialize like you know they they win like rifling competitions or golf or something i mean then they're gonna start thinking how come they can't cash in the same way yeah and then of course you got to title nine all of this too while you're at it you know we got to have women's basketball be equal to men's basketball how much would it? How much do you think uh, the the NCAA might push the narrative that if California passes uh, this fair pay to play act, that women would only make like seventy five cents of the scholarship like money versus like the men, and that would be what the NCAA sticks by? Ooh, oh, that'd be that's that's some fucking tinfoil hat you got going on there. <laughs> <laughs> where do you think uh where do you think President Trump stands in this whole thing? 
This seems like a thing that he would get involved in on Twitter. I thought I heard a tweet about it, but I don't remember which stance he took. I thought he said something about it, though. I think he did, but he got the state wrong or something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how much I don't remember it. Uh, well, uh, that will be a uh, upcoming updates is whenever that gets figured out. Um, but I have a couple takeaways I've taken from my limited experience with 2K at this point. Yeah, go for it. So I've done some playing with injury-free rosters, which pretty important disclaimer for my next statement, and that is it has the Lakers and the Nets as number one in their conferences. Uh, so that's relatively interesting. Um, it also has the Grizzlies and the Kings both making the playoffs. The, the Grizzlies? Yeah, so they How don't... How the fuck are they going to make the playoffs? This this the roster West? doesn't trade Iguodala or anything like that. Dude, I, it's still... They could keep Andre Iguodala. They could, hell, they could have 2012 Andre Iguodala. They're not making the fucking playoffs. So I think what 2K has done is they've uh, criminally overrated John Morant. That dude feels like a fucking god uh, in 2K for no apparent reason. Um, oh, boy. The Kings makes a little more sense. No, uh, the Kings I can at least understand because they have a bit of a continuity, and I think they have a better coaching fit now with uh, Walton. But even then, I mean, you know, the West is a fucking gauntlet. So uh, another another takeaway is it has the uh, Mavs uh, pretty pretty low off. I think they're like two spots out, which is a little surprising to me. That's probably on point. So I really don't know what the hell Kristaps Porzingis is going to be. As much as I want to believe in Luca, he I mean he does need somebody to give the ball to. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's more of the others. I mean, you still have got guys like J.J. Barea as, like, your starting point guard. And, like, Jalen Brunson, who's like, what the fuck does he do? Um, Didn't they pick up Seth Curry? Yeah, they did. All right. Yeah, the the return. Seth Curry also got married, by the way, to uh, Doc Rivers' daughter or something like that, like, yesterday. So that's pretty interesting. Um, So I think uh, two smaller points is that one good thing I'll say about this game is, you know, they have like the fucking ultimate team kind of thing. Like every other sports game does where you open packs and you collect cards of players. But one interesting thing they did this year is they made cards that evolve as you acquire stats with them. So like, uh, for instance, they have like a Dwayne Wade evolution card. That's like starts out at like an 82 Dwayne Wade. And it's like score a hundred points, you know, get 10 rebounds and get 10 assists. And then once you check all three of those criteria, he steps up to like a 90 Dwayne Wade and gets all these different buffs and bonuses and things like that. Wow. So it's actually interesting because it convinces you to not just keep paying for the highest best card possible. And like, actually you can play budget and just invest by playing with your team almost, which is, Probably the smartest fucking thing that game's done in a long time. Because the dumbest fucking thing they've done is they literally have casinos in the game. Like, you have slot machines, lottos, plinkos, and, uh, you know, uh, this game got rated uh, Peggy 3, which is like for ages 3 and up. Whereas 
Pokemon Red, which has also has a you know 1996 slot machine inside of the Game Boy uncolored version, is rated Peggy 16 for the same reason. I wonder if the odds are uh, reflect. You know, do they reflect what's uh, happening on the Las Vegas Strip? Because like the Las Vegas Strip, because uh, because like Vegas has become more family friendly. Uh, less people are actually like participating in the gambling games. So they've actually like changed, they've lowered basically uh, the winnings. So like, you know, like uh, when you used to win like a, you know, something, right? Like you get a return, but now the return is less because the casinos need to make back their money because they have less people playing. So I'm wondering if like, there's going to be some shady shit that happens in like 2K casinos. Ooh. Just like, you know, the mob comes back, just fucking breaks some knees. That'd be kind of sick. It's like, ah, no. Uh, Derek Rose is out with a season-ending injury because he gambled away his losses. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting because there's been this probably year-long trend of investigations into loot boxes and gambling in video games and how like uh, legal that is and how fair it is for like what age ratings we should do because like you know we don't let minors gamble. We don't even let them buy lottery tickets. I mean, there's a reasonable limit to that and video game gambling is like something that the parents don't always see and so how do you monitor it and then it's like not yeah. real it's not like you can take those winnings and sell them somewhere else it's like currency that stays within the game that's temporary so it's a lot of uh, things about that and they don't disclose the odds like most lotteries and things do so um, a lot of legal shenanigans going on here in the background I suppose but if they're gonna play the whole uh you know video games are bad influences on kids like i mean fucking fps <laughs> i mean <laughs> fortnite can go fuck itself i'll agree with that one any day but like it, i don't know it's like if you're gonna have like real games been out for like 20 years it's funny how that's not the one mentioned anymore oh yeah it's like too tame right because well now it looks actually it's because the game looks so like graphics wise, right? Because graphics have come such a long way in twenty years, it's like it looks more like less uh I guess like just harsh to your eyes, right? Because it's just everything's a bit more streamlined, it looks a bit more natural, like GTA graphics. So it's like people have less of a problem with it. Well it's funny because it's like you know, back in uh this is going to be like super bleak, but like all the old mass shootings and stuff, it's like they'd always blame GTA as the video game. And that would be like the, you know, like on Fox News, you'd see is rock and roll and GTA causing our kids to go crazy. And now it's like Fortnite. I'm like, what the fuck? Like Fortnite's so much more tame than GTA. Even though I fucking hate Fortnite. Again, can go rotten hell. Anyways. Uh, that's my hot take for the week. Uh, if you would like to send us your questions, comments, or feedback, we always do appreciate it at the uh, in the comment section, uh, you know, direct message or an email. Uh, we will be covering the NBA preseason starts in just uh, eleven days, I believe. So that will always be exciting, and we do appreciate your view. Give it a like, a comment, a thumbs up, a share, however you like to do that, Dury, and we'll catch you next time.